Welcome to Dismantle Racism, where our goal is to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism and create a world where racial equity is the norm. I am your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Today, we are going to be discussing the wounds of internalized racism. So I want to invite us to settle in, get ready for a dynamic show. And as always, we're going to begin the show with asking you to just breathe. When we breathe and become conscious of our breath, it is a sign that we are life itself and it helps to prepare us for the conversation ahead. So I want you to just to center and to focus. And I invite you to take a deep breath in and breathe in unity and breathe out division. Breathe in self-love, breathe out self-hate, breathe in awareness and breathe out ignorance. Breathe in wholeness and peace, breathe out pain and rejection. And now as you just breathe in and breathe out, I invite you to relish in the knowledge that you are enough. Regardless of what you've been told about the skin you're in, the body that houses your spirit, your background, or your social status, just breathe in, I am enough. Breathe in. I am enough. Now sigh it out and let's begin. So internalized racism is when Black Indigenous people of color begin to believe the ideas and the practices of the oppressor that's really steeped in racism. We began to treat ourselves and others um, based on widely held beliefs that support whiteness as being the superior race. One of the areas that is most prominent is the color of our skin. Our tendency within our own community, particularly within the Black community, but I think that it reaches across other communities, is to value skin that is lighter over skin that's darker. And it's all about getting closer to whiteness. And again, seeing the, the white culture as the superior. This type of treatment is known as colorism and you've probably heard of it. Uh, if you've not heard the exact name, you might understand this whole idea of colorism when you look around and you see who are the people as it relates to people of color, who are the people that are shown in limelight or in Hollywood more often. Um, things have changed a little bit. And so we do see some darker skinned people now um, that grace the cover of magazines. We do see uh, more people in Hollywood, but we still could do a better job. And we also notice when we think about this whole idea of thinking about dark skin being uh, less valued, we notice even in cases of when they are, there's a suspect and that suspect might be actually lighter skin they actually start to darken the skin a little bit and make them look a little bit more menacing because darkness is considered bad or dangerous. I will be talking with today's guest, Shakita Miller, about these wounds of internalized racism in general, but colorism in particular. And so if you receive our newsletter, I just want to point out, or if you saw the post, uh, I know that you were expecting today that we would have Shrikitha on with her um, son, Councilman Kevin Booker, but he could not be with us today. He will be with us in a couple of weeks and we will go back and take a look at I2 Sting America. But we thought that it was important in our conversation to really take a look at internalized racism. So I'd like to welcome 
Sharkitha Miller to the show. And before she comes on, I want to tell you just a little bit about her. She has been in healthcare for over 42 years and has served in healthcare management for 20 years. She has a master's degree in healthcare administration and a master's degree in management and leadership. And she's working on her doctorate right now. And she's a doctoral student at the Omega Graduate School in Social Leadership. So she comes with a wealth of experiences um, in leadership in the healthcare field. And today we might talk a little bit about that, but we thought we would dig in deep and talk about the things that really impact our culture that sometimes we don't like to talk about publicly, but we're going to get into it today. So Shakitha, welcome to the show. I'm so delighted you're here. Thank you, Dr. Avery. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure. And thanks I'm for still so, having me without my uh, my son being absent. So thank you. Oh, but of course, because you're a dynamic woman in your own right here. So we are just so, so excited that you are here. So I want to start out, as I always do, with asking questions around what grounds you spiritually, because in my work, I believe that we have what's called sacred intelligence. And our sacred intelligence is that ability to go within us to that divine place that helps us to manifest our greatness and the greatness of others. And so I believe that it's the essence of all of our relationships that sacred intelligence is, our relationship with the sacred ourselves and others. So could you tell our audience about your connection with the sacred, however you define that, and whether you have a sacred practice that helps you in your day-to-day functioning? Yes, my um, functioning from day to day is waking up in the morning. I have several uh, different employees uh, from different areas that send me various scriptures. I get one every morning faithfully from um, a person in Greensboro, North Carolina. Then I get one from someone from Jacksonville. So, and then I get another one from someone from Miami and Oklahoma. So um, those various people Uh, pray for me and continue to keep me grounded and how I keep myself grounded is to read those but to pass them on to others Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right great because I know that with some of the challenges you might face in the healthcare field in general Mm -hmm. but even as it relates to racism that is experienced the microaggressions and even the the macro aggressions I imagine that it helps to keep you grounded and just being in conversation with you beforehand. I know that is something that's really important to you, Uh, but we're going to jump right in with our conversation on internalized racism. I don't want to waste another minute before we get into that, because I know that in talking with you, Mm -hmm. that you had some experiences with colorism. So tell us a little bit about that. Um. As a matter of fact, just, I think it was like over a, about maybe six weeks ago, I had a gentleman um, say to me, um, Shurkitha, you are a beautiful woman. I love how you are. But if you were just a little bit lighter, you would just be gorgeous. Wow. (laughs) And tell me, what does that do to you when, when you hear that? Well, for me, because I'm a confident woman and I love who I am and I have so much self-love, I just said to him, wow, thank you. But I love who I am and I love my color. I think I have a beautiful complexion. Thank you. Mm. What's what's interesting is, is that perhaps if you were lighter skinned, you, you may not have the same beauty to him. Did that ever even occur in the conversation? <laughs> but, but, Shurkitha, I know from talking with you Mm -hmm. that that's just one of many. So take us back to childhood and talk to me a little bit about what was it like growing up as a darker skinned woman? Well, um, I was the darkest uh, complexion of woman on my mom's side of the family for the first cousins of the girls. And so by me being the darkest, I always felt like I was the out child, so to speak. Um, And then growing up, I never understood the concept of uh, when you take a bath, and I understand it's still being done today, that my mom used to place bleach and comet in the water 
um, to see if I was going to become lighter or just scrub on my skin. Um, I think she really didn't expect to have a dark complected child. But I mean, in hindsight, if your husband's dark complected, if you may have a dark complected child, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just reality. But um, so I've, I've been through that. Um, I've been through things where um, other people have said things about being more beautiful if I was lighter complected or um, dark skinned women aren't that smart. Um, you're going to have a hard time in life. I even had a cousin in South Carolina say to me um, when I relocated down to North Carolina as a transplant, as we're called. And he says, well, you'll never get a management position down here because you're too dark. And that's in the upper state of South Carolina. So and I was like, really? So if you tell me I can't do something, I I (laughs) promise you, I'm going to do the opposite. And color is not my barrier. So, mm. so, so can we go back just for to mm-hmm. childhood and your mother giving you baths mm-hmm. and Clorox and mm-hmm. Comet? And now we know that people have a lot of bleaching creams that they use and that it's quite common for mm-hmm. folks to do that. Were you aware at the time of her giving you these baths that she was trying to make you lighter? No. I was not aware of it at all, but I do remember and recalling when I was a child that she did wish I was a lighter skinned uh, uh, daughter. Mm. But she as said I, that to you? Well, as I grew, uh, as I grow um, older, start getting older, because it was like if you had a lighter skinned child with sort of curly hair or whatever, you know, that was considered as a beautiful child. It's kind of like the analogy of you having a white doll and the dark doll. Mm-hmm. Which one is the child going to go through? And I think Ken, Ken Clark did that. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the children went to the lighter child, the lighter, uh, the white doll over the black doll. So it, yes, like, in fact, in fact, with that study, the Kenneth Clark study, when they would ask the child which which is the good doll and which is the bad doll. Bad doll. They would always pick the white doll as the good doll and then the bad doll, the black doll as the bad doll. And then they would ask the question, which one is most like you? And they would look. And it's a very painful when you actually watch the process because you can see the, the child is there's a recognition that, oh, that doll looks like me. I must be bad. And so those messages get steeped into us very early. Um, about our self-worth, in fact. But we're going to have to take a really quick break. And when we come back, we will continue our conversation with Sharkeetha Miller, my guest today on Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be right back. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow. For the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m. So tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 
I'm back with today's guest, Shakitha Miller. Shakitha, we were talking before the break about some of your experiences growing up with being a dark-skinned woman. And you talked about uh, your experience with your mother wishing that you were a lighter-skinned woman or girl. Did you feel uh, at the time any different than the other people? You know, I know you have high self-esteem now, but what was it like for you, especially being, you said, the darkest of all of your cousins? Did you ever feel any rejection or pain associated with it? Um, I think you're muted. Yeah, you had muted me. Um, Yes, I um, had one cousin who passed away in 2018. She and I were um, very close. And she told me a story that I want to share. Happened in South Carolina when I was um, very young. I think she said I was like two years old. And she is, she may be a shade lighter, maybe two shades lighter than me. And she said she was six and yeah, she was six and I think I was two. And she said that our family would not get near us because they said, oh, don't let those kids touch us. We'll get dirty. Mm. So, and they would jump on the cars and stuff. Our uncles and stuff would jump on the cars because they didn't want us to touch them. So I said to her, I said, well, how did you feel? She said, I felt kind of bad, but what I did is I grabbed your hand and held you real tight because you were young. So, and from that day on, she's been like sort of, she was like sort of the protector Mm -hmm. of me. So what impact do you think this has had knowing that folks considered you dirty Mm-hmm. Those kids, I won't say folks, but those kids considered you dirty, but you also received those subtle messages growing up that there was something wrong with darker skin. What right. impact did it have on you, even emotionally or, or psychologically? I think growing up, I think personally, I thought, I'll say through elementary school, I I felt like... um my self-worth was not worth enough because I was not of lighter skin. Because, you know, in school, you have the lighter skin girls with the long hair and, and everybody would consider them so beautiful. But then they would look at you as because you're darker or um, you don't have all the, I want to say, not so much of the white features, but close to them. Um, they were prettier than you are. Hmm. And what about, uh, I'm sorry, continue your statement. No, go ahead. I'm, I'm done. So, so that's a little bit about how it impacted you, but now your self-esteem has shot up. So what helped you to get past it? Because, because just like you said, someone told you very recently that you wouldn't get a job because of darker skin. So that means that we still hold these things in our heads and people still talk about it. Mm -hmm. So what changed for you to say, I'm not going to give in to that belief? Well, you know what, Dr. Avery, believe it or not, my children did that. Hmm. How so? Yeah, because I always saw myself as, I, I want to say dark black, like the the like the chalkboard, so to speak, or maybe even darker, like tar. And my kids were like, "Mom, why do you keep thinking you're so dark?" Because I always thought I was like that dark. Mm. And my kids said to me one day, "Mom, get in the mirror." mirror. So when Kevin and Karen said, "Get in the mirror." And we took a picture together. They was like, mom, look. (laughs) And I was like, wait a minute. And my esteem just all of a sudden starts shifting because I was like, wait a minute. I am a beautiful woman in my own skin. Mm. Here I give someone that much power to put me down to say that I'm this when I'm really that. Mm. So I have to give the gratitude to my children 
Mm, Wonderful. That's a beautiful story. And really, it is so important for us in uh, particularly in the black community, because I can't speak for the other communities. I just know what happens in our community Mm -hmm. in terms of the ways in which we can devalue people, even unintentionally and subtly. And the media is always out there saying to us, white is superior. And if you look like this, then it's pretty. And so we have to be extra conscious, I think, when we are talking with our children about what's beautiful, even when we're highlighting someone walking down the street saying, oh, they're beautiful, but not saying someone else is. I I will never forget when um, President Obama, the night that he won, and he was out on stage and, um, you know, all the cheers and all of that were going on. And so I was huddled in, in the bed with my husband and my two little ones at, at the time. And we were all excited. Mm-hmm. But even though it was late at night, they were in bed watching it with us. <laughs> and then when President Biden, then Vice President Biden, came out on stage with his grandchildren, my husband commented on how beautiful the little girls were. And my head spun around. And I said, but so is Sasha and Malia. And it's not that he didn't think that they were beautiful, but the comment was about the white girls. And I knew enough to know, particularly in my line of work, how easily our um, uh, our sense of self can be deflated or inflated. I, I quickly talked about the beauty of Sasha and Malia, because I knew that the image my girls needed to see and to compare themselves to was Sasha and Malia. And I think that one of the things that happens with colorism is how we go in and we focus on that lighter skin to call it beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to ask you about, so your mother obviously then didn't reinforce this concept that you were beautiful as a darker skinned woman. So how has it impacted your relationship with your mother or did it at all? Um, Actually, I've learned as I was growing up, my mother passed away when I was um, in my twenties. And, but before then, before she passed away, I have to say that I kind of forgave her. Because I I forgave her because I felt like this is something that was embedded in her. And I found out also that my mom's family um, comes from Irish descent. Mm -hmm. So being lighter and being people who had various different color eyes and, you know, this was what was right to them at that time um, was more acceptable. I so appreciate you talking about what is embedded in us. And it's a lesson really for all of us and our listeners that, you know, to not hold on to, to what folks didn't know Mm -hmm. that they were doing. Right. Right. You know, Maya Angelou really, really talks about, you know, when we know better, we do better. And sometimes our older generation didn't know they just really were a part of the system. Now, that doesn't mean everybody, though, because I grew up in a household. I didn't know my grandmother, but uh, I I think my sisters, one of my sisters in in particular is probably your complexion. And she always talked about my grandmother, who was light-skinned, always telling her how beautiful she was. And so I do know that there are people out there who tell their children, no matter the skin you're in, you are beautiful. But as a culture, we know how little we value darker skin sometimes that you can't help but to get those messages that are there. So I'm really grateful that you were able to be in this place of forgiveness, but also in a place of healing yourself of the things that people say and do as it relates to that. I also think that, um, It's important for me to say that light-skinned people don't always have it easy because I've talked to enough light-skinned people who have felt the pain Mm -hmm. of other Black people saying, well, you just think you're white. 
you know, like, and I'm talking about really, really light skinned uh, people. And so they also feel rejected. So we really can't look at people and think, oh, just because you're lighter, you have it better. Because from what I understand and working with some of them is that I was never good enough for white people and I was never black enough for black people. And so we're, we're doing a lot of damage to ourselves and to our culture. Yes, Mm -hmm. because I have a close friend in Florida and she's very light-skinned and she and I had a late night conversation one night and when I was down here and she was saying to me, we were having the same similar conversation and she said, Sharkitha, for me, it was very difficult being very light-skinned because as you stated, Dr. Avery, she wasn't good for either side. She I always felt like I didn't belong anywhere. Mm-hmm. Because people didn't want to accept me because they said I was too light mm-hmm. and I wasn't really black. And then whites were saying I was too dark and I wasn't really white. And I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. And, but I said, but it doesn't matter what they've said. You're still a beautiful woman. And I consider you a beautiful black woman. Mm-hmm. And um And I just embrace her every time I see her because Mm. we have to not tear each other down because of our skin tone. We have to continuously lift each other up. So by me, even like sometime I'm in the lower part of South Carolina and you and I talked about that. And a lot of the women from the Charleston area and lower are very dark complected women. Now, these women are absolutely beautiful black women absolutely but their Mm self-esteem seems to like being torn down some some of them that I've met and the first thing I see I said oh my god what a beautiful woman you girl you are beautiful you know that's the first thing I let a woman know I don't care where you are girl you got it you know Mm -hmm. and they was like Shakita you're so funny I said girl uh uh-uh you better go ahead you got it you you Mm -hmm. need to put on the cover of a magazine but we need to continuously, because even though I was torn down, I don't have that ability or that heart within me to tear down someone else. Mm-hmm. I am going to continuously embrace and uplift. Now, we were going back to my childhood, I want to say, and I have to give kudos to an aunt, my mom's sister, who is also almost dark complected as I am. And she says to me, the one that least we thought would make it is the one succeeding the most. Mm, mm-hmm. Wow. You know, that's, uh, it's beautiful and sad at the same time mm-hmm. that we place someone's ability. Uh, we, we, we kind of decide what someone's ability is based mm-hmm. on the color of their skin. Yes, yes. And what's sad about that is because that happens as it relates to the ways in which white people often see us and treat us as well. And we're doing it within our own race. We're believing the hype that if you're darker, you're not smart, you're not capable, you can only do certain things. We are gonna have to take a break, but we're going to be right back with my guest today, Shakitha Miller. And when we come back, I'd like to dig a little bit into uh, relationships and colorism when we come back. I am your host, Reverend Dr. TLC. This is Dismantle Racism. We'll be right back. Do you feel uninformed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern time, 3 p.m. UK time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. 
Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. are back with Dismantle Racism. My guest today is Shakitha Miller. Shakitha, before the break, we were talking about colorism, and I wanted to ask you a question about how did being darker skin impact your relationships, your romantic relationships in particular? And unmute yourself, please. Um, I'm sorry. Um, I think that it impacted me, um, my relationships dearly. I can recall um, several times that um, my um, ex-husband would say things like, you know, um, dark or, you know, say uh, uh, harsh words like monkey. and, um, And then he showed me that a lot of the women that he had affairs with were light-skinned women with um, wavy hair, sort of. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And I would imagine that didn't do much for your self-esteem. Um, at the in the beginning, but then I was like, "Oh, you can have them." <laughs> in the beginning, it didn't do too much because then I was thinking more or less of myself. But then I've learned that within time that mm, I love me. Mm-hmm. I love me. Mm-hmm. We have to we have to come to a place within ourselves that you don't give someone that much power over you, no matter how much they try to tear you down because make you feel self-worth. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a relationship where someone is making you feel self-worth, your self-worth isn't worthy, then that's something that you need to consider to move out of. Right. Right. Because I always say we get to choose, right? We can choose to stay in those relationships and have that experience, or we can choose to walk out of it. But I want to say this though, if you already believe that you are unworthy and particularly if you're uh, ex-husband was a lighter skinned man, man uh-huh. we know that some people feel like, oh, I've reached the goal because I have a light skin oh, you know, yeah. partner now mm-hmm. and they are willing to stay in it and deal with whatever. Um, now, counter to that, because I always want to give both sides, there are also the cases of where a darker skinned man can marry a lighter skinned woman and then treat her like dirt because of their own issues. So I've heard both sides of this. And I think the point that in in talking about colorism today, I know that uh, people who are darker skin don't want to hear the other side sometimes as it relates to lighter skin, because they will say, are you saying that they had a, a hard time just like I did? I think what happens sometimes when we talk about racism and when we talk about oppression, people begin to compare their victimization. 
There is no hierarchy on victimization, and we need to understand that. But we need to understand, especially, I'm talking now in the African-American community, but I believe it to be the case in other uh, communities of color, we need to especially understand that this is a part of white supremacy, white being considered supreme when we get into these arguments about skin color. It is really important for us just to embrace one another. And it doesn't only happen, I know we're talking about colorism, but there are other ways in which um, we feed into internalized racism. One is often around language. If we don't speak a certain way, or if we do speak a certain way, we'll say, well, why are you talking white? Oh my but God. It- <laughs> <laughs> Did I hit a nerve? <laughs> oh my gosh. So let me share this with you. When I first came to North Carolina, I was so, ex- I was elated because it was like, oh my gosh, I'm around all these um, Black people and all these HBCUs and all of this. So when I started working and they were like, you don't fit with us. And I was like, excuse me? Now I'm elated because I'm like, oh my gosh. And they said, you sound too white. Mm. So I had to say to someone, what is sounding so white? Because every white person does not have proper language and every white person is not, um, does not enunciate their words the same. So what are you talking about? What is sounding white? Mm. Oh, like mm. Oprah. I was like, like Oprah. <laughs> I had just, I was just like, I was, I just, I couldn't believe it. I so I think one of the things that happens is folks also don't understand different dialects exactly. because in the Northeast, you sound differently than you sound in the South and et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's also a misnomer that black people do not speak um, either standard English or the King's English, because here's the thing to, to be quite frank, I actually heard a white woman uh, just very recently to really talk about that uh, this speaking white thing is a language of the, the oppressor. Because why is it that white standards, again, are considered the standard? Why couldn't it be a Southern dialect? Why couldn't it be Ebonics, for instance? We've decided what was best. But I, I want to say from an educational place, When we talk about people sounding white or when we talk about people who have multiple degrees or perhaps people who are just very smart and we say that they are emulating what it means to be white, we are really devaluing the contributions of African people in this world, people who come from the African diaspora, because it is my understanding, not to go back and check this fact, but it is my understanding that the first university was started in Africa and was the University of Timbuktu, and they had um, multiple languages that were spoken there. And if we really want to get back to it, history has shown us that the first person was of African descent. So what are we really saying when we say that whiteness is what's supreme, and if you are not engaging in something that signifies that, 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 that you're less than. And so to me, that's a part of what internalized racism is all about, not being able to value our culture, to value. There's a way that I speak when I'm something, not, not, not every Black person, but I love being bicultural. Because I can go into speaking in a comfortable dialect when I want to. I'm still, you know, conjugating my subjects and verbs, but there's a flavor in my language that is not present when I might be engaging with like a white colleague. Now, my white friends, you know, we listen, I am who I am. But I think, again, there's a danger and deciding, and I know that there are people out here who would disagree with me, probably some people in my family who are listening, but there's a danger in deciding that I must speak the King's English or a standard English at all times to be considered, you know, intelligent or worthy. 
because I know people who may not know how to conjugate their subjects and verbs, but they are as smart as a whip. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I'm with my, when I'm with women, black women, um, there's one woman that I've just met recently and she's in her doctoral degree too for business administration. Now you would never believe that you see us, you would never believe like we're out for dinner that we are like, two students in a doctoral degree and both have, you know, most uh, dual masters and we sit there and we're just like girls because mm-hmm. sometimes we need to just be us. You know, mm-hmm. every, like you just say, if I need to, to have a conversation where I'm in the society where, you know, okay, I got to act more professional and, but sometimes I just want to be me, mm-hmm. you know, because you have to be. And she and I, we just like, we just kick it. And I mm-hmm. love it. You know, mm. and when I go see to go and I'm visiting various different states um, and I meet people, say, like frontline staff or something, I meet them. I'm like, girl, how are you doing? You know, and people appreciate you because you're not mm. trying to be, mm. you know, as they say, so above them. I'm not above anyone. Mm. And I think the same way. And I think what you're saying is, and this is important because it's important for those who are in corporations to understand that when you are one of any particular uh, community, there's a need to have someone with whom you can connect. And so when another person of color comes in, there's an ease and a flow of the conversation that you can have that you can just relax a minute. And so for most people of color, when we're the only one in any group, there's this need that we have to perform at a certain exactly. level and, and we can't let our guard down. I mean, I remember when I was in graduate school, I was one of 26 people in my class. And I was always just um, very serious, usually in class or, or, you know, the people who I was closest with, I'd laugh and have fun. And I just remember folks saying, you need to lighten up. You need to let go. And I would just think, honey, you just don't even know me. And you won't. (laughs) Because my life outside of here is not your business. But when I was hanging with my friends, then, because the idea is I don't have to be judged by you. But I do want to say, because we're talking about internalized racism, it is not just white people who have that attitude about us. And we as a culture have to be okay with other folks who do not fit a mold that's based on white standards. We have to be careful that we don't brush them aside too quickly and be able to embrace one another. We have to be careful with our children that we're not steering them along a path where they have to act a certain way prim and proper. And a lot of this is steeped in our culture, right? Even even when I went to Howard University, I would remember people talking about the paper bag test, you know, that that brown paper bag test for the color of that brown paper bag. Mm -hmm. Then you could get in this organization if you were not. Now, of course, we didn't do, well, they didn't do it in the organizations I belong to, but it was a conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So we are we're gonna have to take a quick break. So okay. hold your thought when we come back. If you yeah. want to say something about that, we will. Uh, my guest today is Shakita Miller. We'll be right back on dismantle racism. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. 
Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We are back with Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, Reverend Dr. TLC. My guest today is Shakitha Miller. Shakitha, as we are winding down, I had just mentioned something about the brown paper bag. Did you want to make a comment about that? Um, Yes. Um, I have heard that um, (laughs) analogy a lot about the brown paper bag. And um, if you were not if you were darker than the, the paper bag, then you don't fit. You don't fit. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 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 It, it's amazing what we do in our culture and, you know, getting back to even what you were saying about relationships. Um, people sometimes wouldn't select anyone to marry if they were uh, darker than the paper bag. The other thing is sometimes when people would see folks who seem like they were the opposite in terms of skin color, mm-hmm. uh, well, they, they seem like they were opposites just based on the skin color, but their values may have been the same. People would say, oh, how did they get that person? Or how did they get together? Exactly. You know, as if they were not meant to be together. Mm-hmm. I want to just ask you, You've, you've said a little bit about this already, but what would you say to encourage people who had difficulties with colorism and what would you say just to their, their families by way of uh, being supporters and encouragers of their children? I would say to any parent, embrace your child for who they are. Tell them every day, every night, anytime you can think about it, how much you love them. Tell them how beautiful they are in their skin. Um, my grandson is um, very light complected and it's so funny. Um, and um, people were thinking that he was a biracial child and, and he is far, he is not. And um, I say to him all the time, how, how handsome I go, hi handsome, you know, how are you? Um, I use those kind of words because those words weren't shared with me. Anyone knows me knows that the first thing I say to employees and stuff, I always say, hi, beautiful. How are you today? Mm -hmm. And I don't care what color you are, because sometimes we never know what was said to a person that you can change that whole dynamic of their day. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was told I was beautiful. You Mm -hmm. never know. So Mm -hmm. I say to any parent again, Always encourage beauty. Always let your child know. Say if they did two plus two and they made a mistake and said five, don't beat that child up about the five. Let them know, you know what, baby? Let's re-add this again. We got two, we have two, it's four. And reward them. Look at my handsome child. Look at my beautiful daughter. I knew you were smart. Mm-hmm. Never tear down a child because it starts when they're small. Right. And you have to be encouraging as a uh, as a parent. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I have to say and not patting myself on the back. 
I would never tear my children down because I always felt that you are who you are. You're your own self-worth. Mm-hmm. If you're not in love with yourself, don't expect to give love to someone else. Mm-hmm. Chiquita, I'm wondering though, let's go back to something that you said. Those are really important words for parents, but I wonder what you would say to employers, because you said someone told you, you'll never get hired because of your dark skin. And the thing about implicit biases is that people don't know what they don't know. And they don't realize that they're discriminating against someone because of the color of their skin. What words would you have for employers? I would say to employers, um, do not judge. Just like some people say that because of your name, a lot of uh, employers throw the name in the in the garbage. If it sounds like, say, similar to my name or to someone else's name, they throw it in. Well, that's racism um, because you're racist, showing racism against your name. I would say to an employer, don't judge a woman or a man because the color of their skin. Now, I'm not even saying just black people in general, but I'm saying people overall. Because mm-hmm. racism is not just in just the black community. I mean, the Latino family, uh, the Latino culture is very, is going through a, a huge dynamic of racism, of being lighter, especially in the Cuban environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, judge the person for who they are. See what they're bringing to the table. Don't just say to them, oh, well, she's too dark or she's too light. Judge them for them. Mm-hmm. Understand that person. Do the inter- when you're interviewing that person, um, don't judge them by looks. When I was um, in management, the first thing I wanted to know is, I want to know about you. Tell me about you. I couldn't see the colors of who that person was. I just wanted to know about them. I didn't care if you were light skin, dark skin, Hispanic, Asian. I didn't care what color, but I wanted to know about you. What are you bringing to the table? Because your color doesn't define what you're going to bring. Mm. You know, it's interesting, Sharkitha, because when you when you talk, something else comes up uh, for <laughs> me. And, and, I'm, and I was thinking about um, this idea that you're talking about what happens in the Latin um, X community. I have always found people from the islands who will say, well, we don't have those issues here, particularly if they were, you know, I remember I had a friend um, who who's from DR and she said, Oh no, we don't, ours isn't about race, it's more about class, socioeconomic status. Mm-hmm. The truth of the matter is it is always about race because the people who tend to be mm-hmm. in, in the most impoverished areas are often the darker skinned people. And I've found that no matter where I travel, that mm-hmm. there's always, you know, when I was in India on the billboards lighter skinned Indians. There were not people who looked like me. And so when, when we, when we want to talk about, oh, it's about class and not race, most definitely there's an intersectionality, but this color of our skin and race does play a part in it. The other thing that we did not have an opportunity to talk about today. So if any of our listeners are out there and interested in being on the show to have a discussion about this, I would love to know Is it different for a black male versus a black woman or any other person of color? Uh, Is it different for you, your experiences? Do you grow up feeling less than? Do you enter into a job situation feeling like people are going to be hostile, you know, towards you or not hire you? So if you're out there and you're interested in this conversation, please uh, connect with me. I would love, love, love to have this conversation on the show. We are drawing close to our time to say goodbye, Shakita. Are there any final words that you would like to say to us? And then I'd like you, if you would, to just offer us uh, a blessing to end the show with today. The words that I like to say is there's an author, Jasper McBride, and he always, and the book is about the color of water. When we think about the color of water, there is no color. It is about just being, drinking that water that's clear and we all drink from it. Mm. So we need to come together as one and think of the color of water, which is the color. 
beautiful, beautiful. And to me, that means that we all need one another. We need to embrace one another. I do want to say to our guest today that um, if you're interested in learning more about colorism, or if you're interested in just waking up more to racism, internalized racism, racism in general, um, I do offer programs that brings, bring us into this awareness, but also designed to eradicate racism. That's what this show is about, bringing you into awareness, because the more you know, the more you are able to act and to dismantle racism. We need to be able to uncover it. So if you want to know more about uh, my programs, please do look at my website, sacredintelligence.com. And also subscribe to the show. Tell your friends about the show. And let's get this conversation going in order to join a movement to dismantle racism. Shakita, thank you so much for Thank being you. on the show. Is there any way that people uh, can connect with you or would you like them to connect with you through reaching the show? Reaching through the show. Absolutely. Okay. Reach through the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for your willingness to just come on and talk about something that's so, so deeply personal. I do appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you to my listeners, and I do want to invite you to stay tuned to the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where Sam helps you to walk through life with the greatest ease and joy. This is Dismantle Racism. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Be well, be encouraged, be blessed. See you next time. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Inning. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbaro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, live, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc.
listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 